The following podcast contains spoilers for Toy Story 4. Welcome to the Movie Guys Podcast, brought to you by a four-figure discount. My name is Dando, and I'm joined right now by the stars of the show. In one chair, we've got four-figure discount's own Mr. Mitchell Grinter, looking very suave today with Hello, his new haircut. Hello, thank you very much. With my new haircut and my t-shirt that still has the uh, folds from the online delivery service. And in the other chair, we have renowned movie reviewer. Some would say, Mitch, he's the best in the business. That would be right, I'm assuming? Well, I have. Yes. In the past. <laughs> That's some people, so I'll, I'll take yeah. it. I'll take that as a win. Certainly the best in Australia. I'll give you that. Oh, Mitch, that's awfully, awfully sweet of you. And uh, may I say that uh, that haircut's just doing wonders for you. Thank Likewise you very much. with that, uh, that uh, I, I would have thought that shirt was ironed as opposed to, you know, just fresh out of the box. Yeah, I deliberately put these creases into it. Oh, <laughs> I, on the other hand, am wearing the clothes that I wore yesterday. And quite frankly, that I slept in. <laughs> <laughs> Big night. <laughs> Today, we're here to review Pixar's latest installment in the Toy Story franchise, Toy Story 4. How are we doing? Yeah, doing very well. Guys actually got notes. The first time that I've seen you with prep work done, which I'm excited about. I had to live up to Mitch's high example because, yeah, we've been sort of uh, trading um, discussion points back and forth over Facebook and uh, and other mediums over the last uh, week or so. And uh, I thought, well, don't we just usually sort of come in and wing it? And Mitch is like, no, there are categories. And, you know, here is our talking points. I'm like, oh, Mitch is bringing his A game. I should at least bring... A game. <laughs> I, I, inst- I instigated because the Movie Guys podcast started as just like a branch of Four Finger Discount, like a Patreon thing. We want it to be its own podcast now, mm. so we had to bring some sort of structure to the show. So <laughs> just, people, just a couple, so people know what's going on. So yeah. you're saying we actually have to try from L- just a little bit? Okay, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm down. For you're this. both so good at what you do. You don't need to try too hard, but just try a little bit. Mm. Oh, it's wonderful here at the corner of self-esteem and ego boost. <laughs> thanks, thanks very much for that, Dan. No, that's marvellous. Uh, uh, so, yeah, Toy Story 4. We're what, here to talk so, about what were your first thoughts coming out of it and did it live up to any expectations you had going into it? Uh, I'll say that it met the expectations that I had, yes. Um, it's a delightful movie. It's a warm movie. It's a fun movie. It's not on the same level as I... It didn't hit me on the same emotional level as the original trilogy, and I think part of that is probably just storytelling structure that it is set up very much as its own piece. Like movies one, two, and three felt like a continuation of a story. And this felt more like its own um, kind of bookended story, For- Pick- picking up the same characters, obviously, but not necessarily on their same arc. It's interesting you put it that way, Mitch, because I mean, I was thinking about, um, yeah, we had the uh, the initial sort of magic number of three that you know a toy story trilogy and then i think was it actually a trilogy i mean or have we just got an ongoing toy story saga i mean mm. did the first three actually sort of work work as their own self-contained story or have we just got chapters in an ongoing saga of woody buzz and all their toy pals i think the mm. way they finished the third one you could have considered it to be a trilogy oh absolutely yeah yeah i mean um well i remember hearing about uh yeah, when um when Pixar announced that they were making a Toy Story four, my initial thoughts was, well, do we actually need this? I mean, 
you the bank know, accounts you, you, for Disney do. Well, that's true. <laughs> Who doesn't like money? Um, <laughs> but they make money with everything. I'd, I'd, like maybe it's because I'm a I'm a dreamer. But I'd like to think <laughs> that this wasn't that the idea of a cash grab is not what drove this. I think Pixar's in a very sweet spot in that everything they tend to put out. Okay, let's say ninety nine point nine percent of everything they put out. Because let's not talk about cars. Or the good dinosaur. <laughs> you don't like cars? Oh, actually, no, I like cars. Fine. Okay, yeah. Um, but that that did certainly Cars Two certainly felt like a um, more of a. It didn't feel like it was one from the heart, even though it was mm. apparently John Lasseter's like one of his passion projects. Yeah, really. Yeah, and, I think when, that. Yeah, I agree. That didn't come across. That one felt like Pixar by the numbers. That felt more like a toy commercial than anything else. I at times uh, felt that way during this one. Okay. I, did, I didn't like this as much as I thought I would. No. I don't know. Just times just sort of felt like. Did the franchise really need this film? Probably not, but I was, still enjoyed it. Was that the lack of sleep and gastro? Probably the fact um, that I was watching it on your lap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Started hating anything to do with children at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I Fucking toys, all bullshit. I just think I was going to throw this at the start. Just the, the slight little nitpick, and you can shut me down, but the basis of the first three movies was that toys had sole purpose of being loved by and played with by kids. Hmm. Where in this one, they sort of throw that all out the window and make the first three films sort of seem a bit meaningless because now they've realised now they're just little humans in toys bodies. They don't need kids anymore. That's something that I was actually thinking about um, Yeah, while I, while I was thinking deep about the movie the other night because, yeah, it does really seem, uh, and it, it's even alluded to in this one, that a, to- a toy's sole purpose is to make a kid happy, mm. is to be a companion, a fun play thing, all that kind of stuff, and basically enrich a kid's life. And here you've got toys... Not all of them, but certainly some of them, and certainly you know, uh, certainly Woody, going through a bit of a process of quote unquote self actualization, realizing, well, hey, is there more to life than just me, you know, being a kid's plaything? And maybe I should mm. go out and hit the road and see the world. Like you, and you want to sort of yell, you're a toy. You want to yell like Woody, you are a toy. Yeah, um, yeah. Tempering but- that though, like there's a way that you could look at it that it's it's more an evolution of rather than one toy to one kid that it can be one toy to many kids because even though even the lost toys when we when we come to those uh like their whole deal is finding playgrounds like they're roaming they're going to sand pits and waiting for playtime like it's still something that is a bit of a driving force for them even though they're out in the wild on their own with some of, with a little bit more agency about it. But the terms in which they're played with. But realistically by this theory for the first three films the toys could have just gone out and escaped they didn't have to risk their lives to to stand by Andy. Because in that in those first few movies, they did that because Andy's our kid. We've got to do it for Andy. Well, mm. No, if that's the theory, then, then why did you bother risking it for one kid? Yeah, but just, that's just an evolution the, of the I, way you think. I know that. Yeah, I'm just, but, yeah. But, but when you got to the end of Toy Story 3, when the toys were passed on to Bonnie from yeah. Andy, it's kind of like, okay, well, the you know, one circle of life has ended, but another circle of life or another stage of yeah. life is beginning. And, mm. you know, it's going to be more of the same, but it's going to be full of meaning and also new adventures because it's a new kid so you get the feeling oh well this is the sort of yeah to go back to it the toys circle of life but is different with each owner yeah so to speak but yeah for them to yeah for the movies to kind of say no there's more to it than this or you know as i said let's go out and see the world or go out and have new adventures that aren't necessarily bound to a child i don't know it, it does feel like um I won't little, say a little pra- I won't say, yeah, I won't say a betrayal of what the movies were initially about, but it does seem like a really radical departure. Yeah. Which is interesting because I mean, yeah, we we could be into a whole new Toy Story trilogy, a whole new 
I don't know, just uh, yeah, going back, direction for, yeah, the, yeah. for, the, for the saga. And they, ne- they needed to because you can't just keep giving us the same thing over and over again. True. And yeah. it would be boring working at Pixar if you just keep making the same movies over and over again. What I think, yeah, broadly speaking, so the movies have often dealt with different life stages. So um, I could, I'd look at the first Toy Story if I wanted to put you know an adult hat on and look at it from like, if it was your media studies teacher saying, what do you see in this movie? It's t- Toy Story 1 is kind of like, say you've been an only child up until you're seven or eight and then a new baby comes on the scene and it's dealing with that jealousy of having new attention being lumped onto somebody else and then overcoming that and realising you're going to have the, your you know your brothers and you've got your bond. Um, Toy Story 2 kind of eschews the overall thing. Like I, I see Toy Story 2 almost as its own just like romp. It's its own little mini saga within... It's a self-contained episode, like everyone's friends, and then obviously Woody's discovering a bit about his past and that sort of thing. Um, but then Toy Story three, they bring it back into that family dynamic, and it's about letting go and moving on from you know your friends, and obviously saying goodbye to Andy, and and then the, the fear that they're going to lose everyone. It's about growing up. It's about getting ready to move on. What I kind of saw this one as an allegory for was, uh, say, as a parent when you're son or when your child is about to move out into the world and you know buy a house of their own or something along those lines that Woody even says like there's a a few really direct references to Woody almost viewing himself as a parent like you know he's like um I was made to play with kids I don't remember it being this hard like that that felt like a parent that suddenly got a second kid going Jesus I don't remember this um so I I kind of liked that element of it that it brought it back a little bit to that more worldly view of like the the bigger themes that anyone can sort of connect to and relate to or certainly older parents could connect to and relate to of like you know of um, my child has outgrown me basically and then where does that leave me that the last 20 years of my life have been about this person how do and like that becomes your identity and what is your identity once that person has left I mean, yeah, there's a there's a lot going on in the Toy Story movies, considering they're about walking, talking toys. I yeah. mean, uh, I mean, there's some really big ass existential questions. I mean, like, you know, where do I come from? Why am I here? Am I only of value if someone else appreciates me? Uh, you know, when should I step aside from something? When should I step down? When is it time to let someone else? Yeah. You know, uh, stand in the spotlight, take the stage, whatever. So yeah, I mean. Ostensibly, they, these are movies for kids, and I, you know, I feel like the worst kind of internet person say, "You know, this kids movie, I really understand it at a deeper level than you do." Yeah. Um, but, That's what uh, Pixar do, though. They make movies for, for adults and children. Oh, very Otherwise, much. Otherwise, it wouldn't be so successful. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, this is feeling certainly with Toy Story four. It felt really like it was sort of geared more towards the adults. And Didn't the kids. feel like a kids' film yeah, at the, times. Yeah. I'm sure the kids were enjoying Forky or whatever. Uh, who wouldn't enjoy Forky? I mean, he is basically 2019 in a can. He's just this walking sort of, uh, you know, bundle of self-esteem issues that keeps saying I'm trash. You know, that's 2019 right there, man. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, I mean, I saw this in the theatre with, you know, a bunch of young, you know, there were some young kids in there and they seemed, you know, entertained for the most part. They okay. weren't sort of running around saying, when's Angry Birds 2 coming out? Because <laughs> There's actually one coming out? Oh, there was yeah, a trailer for a trailer for it. Like, oh, jeepers. Wow, there's hot garbage and then there's garbage that comes straight from Chernobyl because this is <laughs> radiation hot garbage. <laughs> um, uh, but then you want, yeah, but I think the adults, the few adults that are in the audience were kind of more, no, you know, yeah. and, and 
wow, I'm really relating to the you know to what Woody's going through, that kind of thing. I think with this movie in particular, they can they can aim Toy Story more at an adult audience because that is the demographic of Toy Story. Like the first one came out in '95. Yeah, so we're talking it's, what 25 years. Yeah, like I I grew up on that franchise, so you know it's it, I'm 31 years old and it's my friends that have had that in their life since since childhood and, and I mean kids will go because it's animated and kids will enjoy it because it's funny and it's toys and it's yeah. like all of the things for kids but they really beyond that I don't think they need to skew it towards children very much at all it's got its moments it's got some really good moments for kids um yeah We'll come to one of the new uh, one of the categories that I have for this is best newcomer. So we'll come to uh, <laughs> Key and Peel in particular, um, who have some of the better slapstick moments throughout the movie. Um, you know what I what I realised we didn't do, Tando, was give a synopsis of the movie. Oh, people who have they've, they've... no, we should still cover. It. I feel like formality wise, we should still. So yeah. basically, okay, um, yeah, we've got Bonnie is. Just outgrowing Woody. Bonnie is starting to show interest in the other toys, and Woody is sort of being left in the but cupboard. Is she, is she outgrowing Woody, or is it just we we're wondering if it was, it, still, was Woody even sort of like big in the picture from the get go? He seems to have been kind of like B list from the because you've, you've moved on from a boy to a girl. But say she wanted Woody at the end, and then Andy had to sort of go, "Oh, okay, you can have Woody as well." So she yeah. wanted Woody, but yeah, we've never actually seen her but play with pretty Woody. quickly. She just moved on to well, she is a girl, Jesse. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. She's yeah, yeah Jesse's going to be her favorite cowboy. Yeah. So. Woody is um, trapped in the cupboard, but still clinging to that um, need uh, to, you know, be there and be there for Bonnie. Yep. Um, Bonnie's going through a transition, moving into kindergarten. Woody um, tags along, helps out, helps. Or Bonnie creates yep. Forky, who becomes sentient, and yep. Tony Hale, which is an excellent decision. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then they go on a road trip, and it's basically Woody. I like the the passing of the baton. Woody here is like. A um a AFL player who's been on the list for fifteen years, and then a new a new kids come in. Woody is jo- uh, Jared Ruffhead this season, actually yeah. Hawthorne. So he's basically like, nah, it's fine. I can deal with the fact that I need to step back into the reserves, but my heart and soul is still in making sure that Mitch Lewis is going to be when, front and center and be played with. When he was talking to the opposition player in the VFL, giving him some pointers. Yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Like that's kind of what Woody's Woody's role is here. Yeah. I was about to say, can we check the clock and uh, mark the moment that uh, Mitch made a sports analogy I that, know. I, that I didn't really get? <laughs> <laughs> we need to steer from uh, local references in this one, I reckon. <laughs> no, well, you know. It's not like we're trying to copy the ringer, but I feel like sports analogies work. <laughs> yeah, who's, who's Apex Mountain in Toy Story? <laughs> so, do you think this was Woody's film? Oh, yes. Compared uh, to compared to Buzz Lightyear, who seemed to got sidelined. It, not just all Buzz, of the other all toys of them got they, shafted a little bit. Pretty much. Potato yeah. Head had like three lines, maybe. That That's was, true, but Don Rickles is dead. <laughs> yeah, but they still. Yeah. But even like Rex, Ham, all of them. Yeah, I know. They yeah. only yeah they didn't have much to do with. I mean, this was, yeah primarily. Yeah, Woody's the cent- Woody and Forky, the central characters. A lot more Bo Peep, which, quite frankly, I'm very happy about. Yeah, was um, she was she always that mobile? Bo Peep? No, I always no. thought she was like part of a lamp. Yeah, <laughs> but I thought she was you know all ceramic. Her dress was all ceramic. She couldn't run around. She didn't have legs. What's th- they never explained that? Yeah, I mean, well, admittedly, we are talking about a, a universe where toys come to life when you're not watching them. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm, I know, I'm pretty sure we can play fast and loose with the rules in that regard. She's but just yeah, the only no, toy. She, yeah, no, she's, she's been like out in the wild for a while though, so she's had to develop. It's like when Robin Williams came back from the jungle in Jumanji. <laughs> but her legs, she's evolved. Her legs. <laughs> Was that, I don't know, is Sean Connery in the Jurassic Park movies? No, no, it's fine, it's fine. He should have been. Clever girl. Would he have been John Hammond, do you reckon? No, 
He probably would have been the right answer. Attenborough was perfect for it, though. Attenborough was perfect. perfect. I mean, if he could have played up the great one hunter role, then you would have had Sean Connery in the short shorts. That would have been great. (laughs) What a a sidetrack. Yeah, back to to Toy Story. Well, that's a a bit of a deep dive. So, all right, we're talking about the toys, and this uh, this leads me into make a change, improve the movie. All right. One change that you could have made to the story or script or a character or anything along those lines to improve the movie, and mine would have been. To have fell on, had some way to have the other toys in peril yep. themselves. Mm-hmm. So rather than just sitting there waiting for Andy and uh, sorry for Woody and Buzz to come back, I would have liked something. Now, this might be a little bit over the top, but it was the first idea, and it was you know twelve thirty at night when I wrote this. I would have liked Bonnie to be having a full blown temper tantrum. So. Like the parents are trying to calm her down as parents would do. Can't find Forky here. Why don't you play with this toy? And then have her really crack it and Mm. throw that toy into the wall and break the toy. You do that with a couple inconsequential toys early. (laughs) So you're taking a dark turn. Potato head. So you can put back together. Okay. Ooh. Well, yeah. I mean, he could have been put back together. But yeah. So like he could have been in traction or something like that. Yeah. But yeah. (laughs) But I would basically the yeah the B list toys or the uh, or the bench warmer toys are kind of they're doing it tough and have it almost like a hostage situation that Mm. like one toy every hour. Or until they get back, just to give them a little bit of yeah. something to do at least, something to do, yeah. and have those scenes count for something yeah. a little bit more. What's that scene in Tootsie where Dustin Hoffman is babysitting Jesse Lang's kid? And the and mm. it, it, sorry, there's a really obscure, not super, super not obscure, super reference, obscure, but you know, as far as male cross-dressing yeah. movies goes, <laughs> it's in the top two. It's right up there. Um, yeah. Thinks, oh, I'm going to have this cute baby to babysit for the night. And the, the minute the mum leaves, the baby's just this holy terror. Yeah. And, you know, um, does not face a break character. And go, it's all right. It's Uncle Dorothy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, if the kids were sort of, oh, if, if Bonnie was just putting the, the remaining toys through the, through the ringer. Yeah. yeah. I think that'd be, that'd be at least something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they oh, were yeah. just there, weren't they? Yeah. 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 It took me a little while to sort of notice, like, yeah, the others aren't in this as much. And particularly because it used to be. It was often regarded as a, a two-hander. It was Woody and Buzz. Yeah. Now, good on them for expanding the universe, introducing more characters, all that kind of stuff. That's great. Maybe one. I was like, <laughs> it's one of the first times I felt sorry for Tim Allen. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any suggestions yourself, Guy, for a change? No, no. I think that one's. Um, yeah, That's pretty the big one, isn't that it? That is the big one, actually. I mean, um, look, I'm not going to say this movie's flawless because, I mean, of course, it has issues, but. Um, I, I, think it, I think it lacked a real villain. Because Gabby Gabby, while she comes across as a slight like a villain, there was no villain really in the end. No, but I actually liked that because that uh, had Gabby Gabby just been a villain, then it is pretty much following the same... Lotso Bear? Well, it's Lotso Bear, it's Sid in the first movie, it's the Prospector, the prospector in the second mm-hmm. movie. It would have just been the exact same formula the whole time. So setting her up as a villain and then pivoting it into a moment of sympathy and empathy and having Woody actually give up what he what he is. It his does purpose. It, he gives up his purpose to save her. It gives a little more of an emotional punch, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean um because they've done the movie did such a great job in uh establishing this kind of mood of dread when they get to the antique store. I mean it's great that there's a music cue from the shining. Yeah. 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 That uh, that do 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 it's like that's from the shining. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the and of course you've got ventriloquist dolls as uh, as Gabby Gabby's henchmen. They were terrifying. And like when Forky pointed that out. Yo, <laughs> <laughs> ventriloquist dolls have always been terrifying. It's the head being and, sideways as they're running. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's there's a long history of in horror movies of just evil ventriloquist dolls, and yeah, to throw four of them in here is a uh, 
as Gabby's henchman, I think, was, was just a marvellous touch. It looked very much like Slappy from Goosebumps. They did a bit, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or if you wanted to go even sort of more obscure, <laughs> there's a, an Italian horror movie called Deep Red that has a... Um, a um, an evil uh, ventriloquist doll sort of making an, an appearance. And when I first saw it, like, they're not throwing in a Dario Argento reference into this Pixar movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, you know, appealing to the to the grown-ups just Did a you little do bit much. Did you shout that out of the cinema? <laughs> <laughs> that's a Dario! <laughs> Viva Argento! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so please leave the ready. So we're going to have to ask you to sit down. <laughs> so what's this next segment you got for us, Mitch? Uh, well, actually, what I, um, let's, let's talk about the fact that this is a Pixar film. It is. Every time Pixar makes a movie, their technology is just like they are so far ahead of any other animation out there. Uh, absolutely, I must admit, I was I was actually going to go back and watch the '95 original. Yeah, and then I thought this is going to be like looking at the Money for Nothing clip by Dire Straits. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be a bunch take on of, me. Yeah, a bunch of <laughs> angles. You know, it's honestly not like I actually. The, the, you were talking I'm, about. I'm sure, ang- you know, I'm sure you were talking not, about but... Angry Birds too. Toy Story would still stack up to anything that's being put out by DreamWorks oh, at the moment. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not even sure if Angry Birds Two is a DreamWorks property, but I. You know, DreamWorks are like the second best, and they're so far behind what Pixar are doing, mm. with the possible exception of the How to Train Your Dragon movies. Yeah, they're they're pretty good. I'll give you that. Shrek as well. They 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 got worse as they progressed, but Shrek was a huge success. Oh, no, yeah. I'm, I'm talking in terms, oh, in terms of, of the animation, quality, quality. visual yeah, quality. Okay, Nothing yeah. about the movies, just visual quality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That if you want to see a good comparison of how far Pixar have come, there's a video on YouTube that compares the dog, Sid's dog, from the first film to the cat in this film, oh, and okay. just shows you how much better it looks now. It's, it's a very photorealistic cat. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the category that I wanted to introduce specifically for this movie was best shot. So, what was the most visually pleasing moment for you? I've, I've got three suggestions. Well, you go ahead because that's probably going to jog my memory. Okay. So, firstly, opening shot of the rain on the street that I actually thought was photoreal that for a moment because water and you know, water, CGI water effects are the hardest thing for water and fire, basically the two hardest things for movies to get right. And it looked phenomenal. The The water it drops did, on the street. Yeah. It just was a pretty picture that I, I saw that. I was like, I want that as my desktop background, like instantly. I was like, I want to look at that image for as long as possible. I, I could have handled if the movie was a 15-minute silent opening <laughs> shot of that just as a tech demo, basically. I thought that that was fantastic. For me, I thought a really well-made shot was when the dummies were chasing Woody and Forky behind the drawers there. That was actually scary. Mm. For a kid's movie, if mm. you were a small kid watching that, you'd be genuinely frightened. Yeah. Um, yeah, like real creepy movements yeah. on the dummies as they yeah, as they wheeled their way through. In a tight little space, yeah. It was like a cross between Indiana Jones and The Exorcist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, I think there was a, a very nice shot in the antique store when the um, the lights were hitting the chandeliers or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's you know, sort of lovely... Soft lighting on uh, Woody and Bo Peep. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. This is, of, of course, this is a manipulative moment. But oh, I'm being manipulated by good manipulators. Here, yeah. So I'll, I'll buy it. I'll take it. Uh, no, I thought that was. I thought that was very, very uh, moving. I had that down as well. So the porcelain reflections, in particular, it was, this was the first time that I actually became aware of what substance Bo Peep was made out of. In the first movie, you'd never really. You can sort of tell she was porcelain. 
Yeah, a little true, bit, but, but not as I, much. I, I think it was because of her, he didn't see her legs. Her body was just like the dress. It just yeah, she true. moved like that. That's why yeah. I was still but, porcelain. Yeah. yeah, but the reflections here just really yeah. ram that home and nail it. And the the lighting is phenomenal. Um, the great big world out there. So end shot when they climb up above the mm. carousel and they're sort of like it's that reveal of there is so much more in the world than a kid's bedroom. And even though Toy Story films have gone out and about in the past. Um, actually, yeah, you could include Woody walking down the road with Forky here as well. I was thinking well. that myself, yeah. Like, they've gone out and about, but they've always been in contained sets and contained environments, be it a toy store, be it um, you know, the, the airport, be it the room, Sid's room, backyards. Like, they're, always, they're typically a walled-in areas that Toy Story has existed in. And then for the first time to just see a whole shitload of space well, for Woody to exist in. It ties in what to what the movie's about thematically. It's, you know, there's more to the world than just the mm. the world that you've created or the world that you've been a part of. Yeah. So, you know, uh, and out. my final suggestion, because it was the, actually so backstory to this, as we were settling in, no, I'm you know, no secret of the fact that I've become a crier in movies, and there was a a people basically friends that I was with were basically taking. Um, running a pool like a sweepstake on how soon I would cry. The opening flashback sequence when Bo is getting sold and Woody you know, runs out to try to rescue her and opens the box and they just have this silent moment of eye contact. It's like three minutes into the movie and I put my hand up and I'm like, I'm gone. <laughs> it was, I was welling up at that moment. That was just really beautiful storytelling in a visual medium. I think um, a big part of that is just the uh, Pixar's deafness at being at storytelling. I think also a lot of us... 25 just, years of history as well. Yeah, it's emotional baggage that we've uh, yeah accumulated over a quarter of a century as well. I mean, yeah, when we get to the end, I think we're in spoiler territory, aren't we? I mean, yeah, I think, yeah, it's a warning. If, if you have not seen Toy Story 4, go see Story Toy Story 4 and then come mm-hmm. back and listen to us. Um but, you know, Woody splits from the team and he's like, no, I'm going going out on my own. Bo Peep and I are hitting the road with Giggles McDimples. Is she, is she tagging along? Is she going to be a third wheel? I hope so. Let's she assume was, she comes along. She was cool. She was great. Yeah, I liked her. Um, so is that going to be the next film, do you think? Like the Bonnie's toys are now out of the picture. I don't think you can have a Toy Story film without them in it, though. And I think it would be too too much of a coincidence to be like, wow, our paths have crossed again. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, how do you make a fifth with them yeah. in it? I mean, yeah, if... If I, there's some sort of crisis that necessitates Woody going back to join the rest of the team, how would he? You don't know how to get there. You don't know where. Like, you know, you know what I think might be the case would be you know how they did that Halloween short, like they did a couple shorts with Toy Story, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, which were skewed more at kids. On, on I think that was straight to video yeah. or straight to DVD releases. Yeah. Um, but I reckon they could dip their toe in the water with those, and then you could do a couple like you could do a story that doesn't have it'd almost be like the walking dead when they do an episode without rick but you could do a story that doesn't have woody and bo peep in it and then you could do another half hour special that's just them and that might if they kick those ideas around then that might start to lead into what a fifth movie could possibly do and not to tell disney slash pixar their business but with the upcoming introduction of i think it's called disney plus their streaming service yeah you don't necessarily need to take it into the cinemas anymore i mean you could do a, a smaller versions that don't that don't necessarily have to bring the whole team back yeah. together. You can have, you know, Toy Story five point a, a, the annual Toy Story short yeah. film or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A Buzz Lightyear adventure or yeah. something along yeah. those lines. Could you do a Toy Story say six part animated series or something? 
Quite possibly. Yeah, you I could. Mean, you could. I mean, I don't... It'd just be return I'd, on investment because that yeah. would be a shitload of work. Yeah. Like, I thought the, it could be this, a selling point for Disney+. Plus. This movie was about yeah. five years in development yeah. for a two-hour movie. Yeah. Six-part animated series. But given, be- yeah, given all the intellectual property that Disney has in its coffers, I think the introduction of Disney Plus is yeah, going to really be... Oh, sorry, some of the worst kind of showbiz insider here, but, you know, a real game changer. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, you'll be seeing different versions of stuff that you have loved over the years and, you know, are repackaged in different ways. I think it's going to be really, really Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and I mean, look, I'd, I would have nothing against a Toy Story 5. I mean, um, they've they've been four for four so far, haven't they? I mean, I don't, I, I don't think... It's you made can... more money than the previous ones on the first weekend. True, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I don't, think, I don't think any audience member could really... Well, any audience member of a certain age could walk yeah. out disappointed out of any of the Toy yeah. Story movies. I think they've all been... Uh, it's certainly first, entertaining it's what, and, and certainly very uh, you know thoughtful and, for want of a better word, deep. People mm. our age, so we're about 30, Mitch, it was one of our first loves when it comes to like animated feature films, wasn't it? Toy Story, where we have the, we've had this long-standing love. It's almost our entire life we've had these characters in it. So yeah. I don't feel like we could ever not be excited for another Toy Story no. adventure. No, definitely not. Uh, I mean, it was the first movie, first animated movie of its kind and that makes it stand out. So... You say first loves, and there was Aladdin and the Lion King, and yeah, that sort yeah. Of thing. But like, one, one of is what I said, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like this one was visually different. It was just, you know, even as a kid, you understood that this was a phenomenal technological leap, yeah. and and then it kept coming back throughout your life. So you kept being able to tap back into that memory. Yeah, well, I thought, look, even as an adult, I mean, I was mm. in my mid twenties when Toy Story four came out. I'm oh, no, sorry, when the original Toy Story came yeah. out in ninety five, and yeah, you're looking going. Things are different now. Yeah. <laughs> what the thought was the first full-length CGI film? Yeah, absolutely. I've actually just thought of another thing that sort of didn't bother me, but something they could have changed. They didn't tell us what happened to Vincent and his crew. They helped them with the pram, but then Gabby, Gabby went off with the girl, and now we're just left in the pram. Um, Which one's Vincent? The, the dummy. The dummy. They, they, they risked their lives, or not their lives, but you know, they, they, they helped Gabby and all them get to the to the fair. Oh, you mean the ventriloquist dummies? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they just, they opened up the... the Carriage, they scared the person who opens up the carriage, and then that's it. You never see him again. What happened to them? Yeah, I get the feeling they didn't have as sort of rich inner lives as the no, other they, toys. They spent their whole days worshipping Gabby and helping her, and then they oh, and risked they, everything. And now that what? Wow. I mean, we, yeah, we were talking about the existential questions of the Toy Story movies. What do you do when God is dead? That's, <laughs> that's well, again, to steal from the rewatchables, so it's, um, pardon me, it's probably unanswerable questions. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I remembered what I was going to say. The um, I don't mind me going back to this, but the w- one thing that uh, Pixar certainly has in its favour is that it takes a, a while to develop, the, or, or they take a while to develop and produce their films. It maybe takes a while to produce an animated film, but certainly they seem to take their time. I mean, there's been, what, almost 10 years between this one and Toy Story 3? About 2009, I reckon, was, it would have been. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, there's... A fair gap. That's a long time. Yeah, I think the <laughs> shortest gap between Toy Story movies was probably like four or five years between one and two. It was 95, 98. Yeah, so you're, you're not going to dilute the brand, so to speak. I mean, you're gonna, there's going to be, wow, I've, I've waited this long for a Toy Story movie and, you know, invariably your expectations are probably going to be met, mm. I think. It's unlike, say... There's a new. Uh, it's Christmas. There's a new Star Wars movie. Yeah, it's what's getting like. I mean, yeah. But but, but not to be. Oh, it used to be this way. But I mean, Star, Star Wars movies used to be an event. You, ha- yeah. you used to have to wait three years or something. It's like I've got a random missing you. Yeah, you know what I mean. But the thing is, where we weren't necessarily waiting for a Toy Story film, but the fact that one popped up, we're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a it's a pleasant surprise, and you're like, been a while since I spent some time in mm. the company of uh, Woody and Buzz. Mm. So one of the things that, by virtue of that, uh, obviously a long time goes, and you've got to reinvigorate the movie a little bit. We get a lot of newcomers in this movie, so lots. Let's have a little run through those, and then have it. Well, let's see who we feel is the best. So Tony Hale is Forky. Obviously, front and center. Um, that some that of the is most just genius casting. Is. Tony Hull, of course, from Arrested Development and Veep. Yeah. Uh, one of the sort of kings of, you know, modern neuroticism. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the best way to describe him. Uh, like, Buster Bluth will go down as one of the all-time great comedy characters, I think. Oh, absolutely. It, and yeah. he uh, brings all of his Tony Hale to the role of Forky. Um, and I got to say, I hadn't read a casting list before going in. I didn't really know who was in the movie. So it took me a couple scenes to key into the voice. I was like, I'm pretty sure that that's him. Is it him? It was slightly off his voice though, wasn't it? Slightly. Yeah. He was slightly doing a character. But the first time you kind of heard him go like, ah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Then it was like, ah, that's classic Hale. <laughs> Vintage did, did, Hale. Was, did, did you like Forky from the get-go or did he grow on you? He, he had to grow on me. He was a little annoying at the very start, but it didn't take long. He certainly grew on me. I mean, I think he, initially I was enjoying him more as a a plot device. I mean, just the fact that he wanted, he just wanted to get back to that. Get in the trash. Yeah, get, yeah. I'm trash. <laughs> wanted to get in the bin all the time. I mean, it's like, oh, this is terribly frustrating. It's good for the story and it's good for Buzz. It was a good montage. I'm sorry, for, for, for Woody. But he's like, oh, man, I would be getting frustrated as hell with this. Googly-eyed fork. Fork this fork. Um, I remember Woody woke up, couldn't find him, then he's just asleep in the trash. Oh, yeah. and he's got that lovely grin on his <laughs> yeah. face. He's like, oh, yeah. man, to the bin. Uh, yeah, so initially I was kind of like, oh, this guy. Uh, but I think once they... I think that scene you mentioned where they walk along the road. Yeah. And, um, when Woody's telling the story about Buzz. Yeah. <laughs> but he's throwing that, carry me, carry me, yeah. carry me. It's like, getting into this guy. Yeah, I mean, he's... Uh, no, I was liking him more there, and more. There was less of him towards the end. That's true, yeah. Mm. Newcomer number two. Slight technicality here in that she's been in the series before, but Annie Potts, I feel, deserves it for how different the role is and how much meatier her role of Bo Peep is in this film. I think I had her down as MVP, as yes, my most valuable plaything. Yeah. <laughs> hey. I just came up with that. High fives hey. all around, guys. Yes. There it is. Self-congratulation is what <laughs> I love on our podcast. No one actually high-fived me then. I did it all myself. <laughs> They're all looking at me like, guy. For once, she's not just swooning over Woody. She's got agency. She's got agency. To use the modern term. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, and this is a thing that, because of how long this movie's been in development, um, they've gone on record and said that this is in no way a reaction to the Me Too era, but it is incredibly timely. It's one of those things that great creative minds are always a step or two ahead of the curve. And then when it drops, like, because movies take a are fucking long time Are you saying Pixar predicted make. the Me Too movement? Not saying they predicted the Me Too movement, no. <laughs> but typically what happens when something comes out and you go, oh man, like this is so reflective of the time. It was conceived three or four years ago. And that that's, you know, that's just the way movies are. Like scripts take a long time to write. The development takes a long time. So, um it's a hallmark of just really great creative minds that they see a gap and then go, all right, we need to do this. But um, she was she was quite excellent. Uh, had one of my favourite throwbacks in the film when she sees Buzz, gives him a hug, moving buddy. Like that, <laughs> that was a very cool little... There's a, there's a few nods. I'll, um, I'll come to some trivia later on, but uh, little throwbacks. That was one of them that I really enjoyed. Plus, any time you get to sort of put any pots front and centre, that's all good stuff. I mean, uh, people who have seen Ghostbusters or Pretty in Pink... We'll know that, you know, Annie Potts is fantastic. She's got, you know, crackerjack comic timing. She's just, you know, a good person to have around. And, yeah. and 
giving Bo more to do and giving Annie Potts more to do, yeah, I, I think just helped the movie a great deal. Yeah, and giving, I mean, for the first time, really, Woody is not the one that knows it all. He's not the one that's coming up with the ideas. If anything, he's the one that's ruining the ideas oh, and yeah. her plans. Um, so it's kind of cool to see that power dynamic change between the two. Yeah, it's good. That, I mean, that, you know, Woody is sort of unable to get out of his own way. He's a lot more sort of self-conscious and stressed and all that mm. kind of stuff. I mean, I think, you know, he's always been sort of Neurotic. working yeah, working at that level throughout the films to some degree. I mean, he's always been a bit of a busybody and a bit of a fuss budget and kind of like, things have got to be this way. And, uh, yeah, for him to be uncertain of himself and his place in the world, that, that, that's also been a little bit, a bit of a running theme through it, but it's really sort of writ large in this one. Mm. Uh, yeah, so to have uh, Bo Peep as kind of the counterbalance to that as someone who is very sure of themselves yeah. and their place in the world, even if it's not uh, being a kid's plaything, which is normal, mm. which you normally regard as like a toy's purpose. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. I think I think I thought it was a really interesting uh, swerve on the part of the franchise. Newcomer number three. There are five, by the way, for the category. Okay. Uh, but newcomer number three, Madman's own Christina Hendricks as Gabby Gabby. Was she Gabby Gabby? Okay. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that that she was uh, providing the voice until I saw the credits. And Same. Like, nice. Yeah, <laughs> I, I liked that. She was suitably creepy and understated. Like, she never... She's one of those villains that never loses their cool. Um, but she was never a villain, though, really. No, it was just more... She's uh, set up as a villain early. She is, yeah. You think she's a villain, but then, yeah. But, but all good villains are driven by need and yeah. desire. And they don't think that they're the, the bad, bad guy. guy. And yeah. Alicia never once tries to deceive Woody. She's just like, I want what you've got, yeah. and you're going to give it to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but she's Taking scheming. Taking it by force, but... Yeah. You know. She's scheming. She's got creepy dolls that are acting as sentries 24-7. Like, there, there's a bit about Gabby Gabby that's scary. She never gets enthusiastic either. She's like, can you please go get those boys? Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's Marla's. <laughs> really yeah. Um, yeah, a really good character development on that part yeah. as well. And it kind of links into her, her role in Mad Men, where she's kind of got that... Quiet control. It's that thing of like always thinking a couple steps ahead. Never, uh, you know, the, the classic thing of a duck being like you know oh, yeah. calm above the surface and furious below. Mm. I get the feeling that she's calm above the surface and very calm below as well. <laughs> that she's just kind of more like an ice skater gliding through the chaos until scene. she feels like she doesn't is losing that control. Yes, like when the Peggy scenario kind of comes into her equation, and she's like, wait a minute, I'm not. In control of you? What's going on? Yeah. yeah. Number four. Keanu Reeves as Duke Kaboom. I couldn't tell. Keanu's greatest stuntman. I knew it was Keanu going in, but I don't think it sounded like Keanu. Oh, I thought it sounded very good. Yeah, did I, you? I, I, I didn't. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's a touch of that. Maybe it was the audio Although, although a little <laughs> a little more um, animated than usual. Because, I mean, yeah. I think Keanu kind of, for the most part, deals in a very... He's also very cool and calm. Very low-key, deadpan yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Even when he's sort of yelling, John Wick at John is still calling calm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He only ever raises his voice once or twice, but yeah, most part is you know he's Keanu. He's cool breeze over the mountains, man. He's just you know taking it very very easy. And, yeah, um, yeah. For him to get excited about stuff or kind Do- of, kaboom. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a very cool callback to the commercial. I I really yeah. the the Duke Kaboom character was very funny for me. The whole existential crisis about not being able to live up to the commercial. <laughs> which is such a which is such his, a, his kids desire to see him jump oh Rejon <laughs> <laughs> hilarious it's such a funny thing that they would never really tapped into and it's so obvious because the the reality is never the same as the commercial oh god yeah I mean I'm like, like sorry 
you want to have categories on the show. It's, once again, guys shows his age, but you know, being a child of the nineteen seventies, Star Wars toys. Oh uh, no, Evil Knievel. Okay, actually, oh, yeah, have the, toys. The great stuntman Evil Knievel. <laughs> the actual Evil Knievel had toys. Oh god, yeah. yeah well, right. Okay. That's yeah, cool. yeah, and he had something very akin to what uh, Duke has in this this thing where he's on a motorcycle. It's like a an action figure style sized um, Evil Knievel on a motorcycle. It's maybe two thirds too small for him. Put him on a little ramp and you wind it up and it goes off. And you think, wow, this is just going to go for miles and it's going to jump over canyons up and it go. It, it, <laughs> jump over canyons. It, it, it makes it 30 centimetres and it falls on its side. You know, physics once again defeats Evil Knievel. I'm picturing um, you heading down to the um, the Murray River, <laughs> setting it up on one side. How many Evil Knievel dolls did I lose in the Barwon <laughs> trying to jump putting, the Barwon River? Putting a little hot, putting a little hot wheels <laughs> on the other side for him to land on. It'd be like... Um, Oh, what's that guy's name? Pinching my sister's Barbies to sort of set up as groupies. It's like, <laughs> we love you, evil. Was it from the devil at my, uh, the devil behind my wheels or the devil at oh. my wheels? Um, the, the guy that wanted to jump from Canada to America. Oh, God. I haven't seen that in years. That doctor, yeah. Uh, devil at my heels, I think it's yeah, called. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, no, that's, yeah. I mean, yeah, that was an actual thing that you had this... Um, the commercials really build it up as like, have hours of fun with Evil Knievel jumping over stuff. It's like, he ain't jumping shit. <laughs> <laughs> and the the final newcomer uh, who really brought a lot of comedy to it, as as you would expect. A really cool introduction uh, to the series, but um, Key and Peel. I include them as one because they were physically joined at the hand throughout no. the entirety of the movie. And I didn't realise it till like maybe 20 minutes after them being in the film. I was like, wait a minute, he can't let go of his hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like just hilarious. Their, their plan to get the key. Fantastic. Oh, have, that was, yeah, great. They did have a lot of good stuff. This is where we're going to differ a little bit. I love Kim Peel. I'm a huge fan of this show and a fan of what they've done Post. outside of it most part, except for maybe Key appearing in The Predator. That wasn't great. Yeah. Um, I could have done with maybe 20% less. Of, yeah. Of, yeah. Of, of, I was saying, okay. What are they, Ducky and Fluffy, Bunny and Dunny? Uh, Bunny and, Dunny. and Fluffy. That's the Aussie this. version of Winter Soldier, Bucky, Bucky and Dunny. Bucky and Dunny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked them fine, but a little of them went a long way, and we maybe just got a little bit too much. What yeah. would you have lost? Um, oh, I don't know about any scene specifically, because, I mean, the scene where they were sort of talking about their plot to distract the old lady and just the, the rule of three scenes, like, yeah, marvellous. Love it. Um, but there was a... Yeah, I don't know. There was just one or two bits where it's like, hey, you're, you're throwing in a... We need a joke here. Throw yeah, it in. Let him say something. Let him say yeah. something wacky. It's like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not terrible. It's not a deal breaker, but uh, I could have done with just a little bit less. Okay. Uh, but you're talking about new additions. This guy or these guys are not necessarily new additions because I think they were in the the mini the Toy Story minis or the Toy Story okay. standalones. Well, I'm speaking of the film franchise as oh, a whole. Okay. Well, in that case, um, I'm, so, well, as I'm, not sure I'm not sure yeah. if he's been in the any of the big screen versions, but Combat Carl. Combat Carl was another one of my great throwbacks, actually, because if you remember from Toy Story 1, it was a Combat Carl that was being blown, blown up, up by oh, Sid. Yeah. So that was a cool little thing of like, oh, look, it's a Combat Carl. And oh, then, like, you did actually. He, did he ever speak in that? Or no, 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 he didn't. He was just strapped to the rock. Because, yeah. because he's voiced by the great Carl Weathers of Rocky yeah. and Predator fame. Was he really? Yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know that until just recently. Okay. But, you know, it, but it had one of my favorite gags. I mean, this is always a good gag, no matter if it's animation or live action. But. Animation seems to do this really well where they've just got little side bits. Mm. You know, little throwaway gags that, you know, you know, you'll notice, but they're not they're not huge, but they 
I don't know. They're like the raisins in your raisin yeah, yeah. brand. There's, oh, oh, we've got a tasty raisin. Um, you've got the three combat cars that were all very excited, very pumped, and, you know, they're, yeah, and high-fiving each other. Cold, cold weather uh, combat car, they leave him hanging all the yeah. time. He's, he's got his hand up like, five, 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 five. Yeah. No one's giving it to him. That just Brilliant. killed me. You know? I, saw, I saw it was my girlfriend and my kids, and they're looking at me like I'm an idiot. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm like, they're leaving him hanging. It's so funny. <laughs> what I think- <laughs> and, but I, and then at the end, because Keanu Reeves is a cool dude, I think Keanu, um, I think Duke Kaboom gives him a high five. five. I think animation <laughs> can, can do that really, really well because an actor would have a tendency to play that up a little bit too much. It's yeah. hard to get the... It's a really nuanced joke to get right. You don't mm. want to be leaning it into it too much. You don't want to ham it up too much. Yeah. It's um, like it's probably one of those ones where the director wants one hundred percent control over the exact timing, yeah. and animation can allow that to come to the fore really, really well. Yeah, I mean, cold weather combat girl is not overplaying, but he's got this little. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> They're always leaving me hanging. <laughs> uh, so, who do we think best, best newcomer? newcomer? Oh, look, I think from an overall story architecture standpoint, uh, Bo Peep. Bo Peep. Yeah. Absolutely. I think she... But if you take Bo Peep, a character who hasn't been in the franchise at all, who would you say? Uh, Duke Kaboom. Duke Kaboom, okay. <laughs> Duke Kaboom. I would, yeah. oh, I'd say Duke Kaboom. Yeah. I think, I think uh, Mitch is very much on Team Key and Peele. Yes. Not, not no, 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 no. I really enjoyed them, but I think Duke Kaboom takes it out for me over... He's the most others. important. He was the least... Yeah. And he never got annoying. And, no, yeah. yeah. And I mean, they get sort of playing the one joke over and over again how he needs to sort of you know do that leap that he's supposedly able to do and you know doing it for his little french ungrateful french canadian <laughs> kid Rejon, i love that <laughs> make a change ruin the movie oh gosh bo peep sacrifices her life so that woody can continue yeah that's yeah i mean if i think if he'd had some toy meet a not necessarily grisly demise but you know be really cut out of the uh of the whole saga, mm. yeah, I think that I think that would be bad. I mean, these yeah, these are essentially movies for kids, and yes, they are sort of teaching lessons about what your purpose is and moving forward and when it's time to give up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I don't think you want to close the door on anything too definitively. Because uh, the franchise yeah. can continue without Bo Peep, but not Woody, so you couldn't kill off Woody. Mm. I don't think no, no. But uh, well, Mitch, Mitch, clearly you've given a lot of thought about. I've this. gone. You're, you're, some, you're yeah. a thinking cat, so. How about it? After successfully completing the jump at the end of the film, a Duke Kaboom with renewed confidence runs off with Bo Peep, leaving Woody alone in the wilderness. Harsh. <laughs> Throws her onto the motorcycle, rides off into the sunset, <laughs> leaving him alone on the carousel. <laughs> Poor Woody. Buzz will come back and rescue him, though, hopefully. Yes, exactly. The greatest bromance in screen animation history. <laughs> what about you, Guy? Um, look, I, I, I really can't think of any way that would... <laughs> Not as certainly depressing as that. Um, I went to a dark place. You did indeed. Um, I think you could get much sort of... Uh, I think the only way you could make it worse is if um, yeah, Woody actually was reunited with the squad, went back, was back in the closet and just hanging out with the four that's, old toys. That's how he ends. By the way, the, yeah, the, the four old toys were voiced by Betty White. Mm. Really? Carol Burnett. Carl Reiner and, and Mel, Mel motherfucking Brooks. Yeah, really? they swung for the fences with yeah, the casting they, on that. They just yeah. assembled the, the A-list team of, of you know, old school mm. you know, comic geniuses. It's, it almost feels like a waste. It, it does a little. I mean, it's a nod more than it. I mean, they, all, all it could be the last chance to ever have these guys on film together again. It's true, but all these guys are in their 90s. They probably yeah. don't want to spend all day in the, uh, in the, record, you know, in the recording booth. And it, it's a nice little... And plus, you know, it's for, it's for us. It's for grown-ups. Yeah. I mean... 
I really loved Melifant Brooks, says that kid. Yeah. That kid's a weirdo. <laughs> that kid's eating paste. I, uh, <laughs> I've thought of one more. One more change. <laughs> Mitch has got a, a really devilish smile on his face. Yeah, so I, I, I prepared like to have your childhood ruined. After Gabby Gabby is united with the lost child at the fair. They're in the rain. Gabby Gabby looks at her with her sweet eyes. The child, through tears, reaches around and pulls the pull string to hear. That's Woody. Somebody's poison the waterhole. <laughs> There's a snake in my boot. <laughs> now I don't understand the concept of so she just stole the pull string? Or cause wouldn't Woody's voice go with the voice box? Uh mm. no, so I th- wouldn't his sayings go with the box? That's a valid point. So I think what it is is there's a motor. So the pull string. Pulls so she just took the motor out, presumably. Oh, because yeah. she, so like, oh, she just had the record. Because the record's yeah. fine, but the oh, okay. motor. That's right. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So you picture like dropping a needle on it. Then yeah. she's got her own grooves. She mm. just needed all of the yeah. other bits yep. Yep. to make okay. something to make. How the needle. Gabby got her groove back? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how. <laughs> you're stepping on. <laughs> you're stepping on five word summaries. But <laughs> that's that's pretty good. I'm not sure how toy anatomy works. Dan, I'm, I'm not a doctor. Alternate reality, so uh, recast the roles, but using the same cast. So this okay. is something that we used to do in theatre, which is a lot of fun. Like, if you've been doing a play for a long time, to mix it up, because like, you tend to start to pick up on everyone's lines. So you might come in for a day and go, all right, let's just screw around, and I'll play you, you play me, and mm-hmm. we just do it all the same thing. So um, Keanu Reeves could have been the carnival guy running the booth. Like, it's a smaller role. It's a bit more diminished, but I think he could have fit in. Also, there's a there's a fan theory going around that Carnival Guy, that the, the Carney is Sid. The Carney is a grown-up Sid. Oh, actually, is okay. Okay. Um, there's something about a tattoo on his leg. Well, he, he, was well in... he has a tattoo of the Pizza Planet truck. Okay. So, well, he... I kind of imagine he could have been the delivery driver okay. from the first film. So, is he... Is that the Pizza Truck reference for the film? Because that yes, Pizza Truck's in everyone. So, oh, the okay. tattoo is the reference, is it? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I, I like how Pixar does that, but I like but I like people who sort of throw in their own little yeah, but, but things S- like that. Sid was apparently in Toy Story three, I believe. There was a okay. reference to him. Yeah, okay, As older. Yeah, and could you see a world where an alternate reality where Tim? Alan had been cast as Woody and Tom Hanks had been cast as Buzz. Given no. Tom Hanks had been in Apollo 13, has played a spaceman before. Likes space, that's true. He's but he just, and Tim Allen has been, well, Tim Allen. Like, he's been the kind of chaos guy who the, has his plans and sets his plans. Like, I actually think that in the first movie, these guys were almost cast against type rather than to type. I just think there's nothing macho about Tom Hanks. The, the, there's got a, there's a bit of bravo to the Buzz Lightyear character. I just don't think Tom Hanks can bring that. Not that he can't bring it, but he I don't think that's also, not. I know he can, but he it's bring the, gravitas. It's not naturally Tom Hanks. I think something that uh, that Tom Hanks does really well and doesn't get employed as well as it should, or as often as it should, is the fact that he can, he can be really interestingly manic, hmm. like. Uh, when his voice gets up like this, I think that I think that's marvelous. It's one the of money my pit. Fa- yeah. Oh. The Money Pit and Listen, a League of Their Own. Yeah, listeners, if you um, have the opportunity to see a film called The Money Pit with Tom Hanks and Shelley Long, they buy this house, which is the literal Money Pit. They keep putting money and money and money into it, and it just it never gets any better. I think I've seen but, The Money Pit something like sixty times. Oh, uh, when back in the day, when you know, pri- uh, public hospital, um, I, I assume it was public anyway. Where my stepmom had my baby brother and was in hospital for a few weeks because it was a bit of a, a messy birth. On his part, he was he was in intensive care for a while. So I, as a seven, eight, nine, ten year old, somewhere in that range, uh, was coming in, and they didn't have TV; they just had movies. Like they had three or four movies on rotation, and the Money Pit was one of those. So I would often come in, and while they were 
fussing around with the medical stuff. I was just sitting there watching the money pit again and again and again and again. It's not a great movie, but there is a scene in it where just Hanks is kind of at his lowest, you know, he's just throwing so much money at this house and everything is going wrong and he just sort of breaks down, goes into this manic laughing jag that goes on for like a minute or so. Yes. It is just highlight hilarious because I mean, Tom Hanks laughing is (laughs) a national treasure. Um, So I think that work, that kind of, pitch and that kind of energy worked well for how frustrated Woody was getting when the, in, in the scenario when Buzz is introduced. And Buzz is kind of unflappable. Mm. Buzz is like, you know, Buzz knows his place in the universe. and uh, Very rarely uh, changes his tone. Very rarely. T- even when, you know, the greatest scheme is kind of revealed, it was like, you're not actually Buzz Lightyear, you're a Star Command, you're, you're a toy. And he's still like, oh, I'm still this though. Yeah. And I don't want to diss Tim Allen too much because I think the the rest of the world does that for me. <laughs> but I think there are certain things that Tim Allen does well, and this is certainly one of them. I think he, I, you could talk about recasting Buzz Lightyear. I mean, I think someone was talking about Brian Cranston doing it the other day. I thought that's not bad. I think even Keanu Reeves could have probably done an interest, some interesting an stuff interesting with it. Buzz. But maybe it's just a quarter of a century of having Tim Allen. As that thing, and have putting such an iconic spin on to mm. infinity and beyond. Yeah, you know, a lot Fair of enough. people could say that, but I don't know. I think they, I think they were both cast very, very well. I yeah. want to talk about Buzz finding his inner voice, uh, that, which that's, I, a, that, that's a really funny. It's it's like someone's woken up and decided that they're going to live their life via what a magic eight ball says or their horoscopes or yeah. something, and taking it to the letter. That, and I liked that it was. All of the same phrases that we've already heard. They throw a couple in when he's freaking out and just keeps hitting the button, (laughs) open the pod bay doors. But for the most part, it's all of the phrases that we've heard given a new context. And There's there's something really sort of deep about it as well. I mean, the fact that all the answers to, well, the bulk of the answers to the the problems that you have in your life are within you. You just have to access them. Yeah. You know, and this is making that sort of literal by him hitting his buttons and like, this is what I say, this is what I say, this is what I say, I did, this is what I say. I did love when the mother, he was pushing the button, so the mother was like, how do you turn this off? And she puts him in the cupboard and he just yells out, go to the cupboard, like, your backpack's in the antique store. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> fantastic. It's something I know, I mean, there's a lot of unobservant people in the world. I mean, you'd think you're catching the, in the peripherals. Yeah. What's that? Is that a bird yeah. or something? No. Wow, there's a toy <laughs> bouncing all over the place. That's something you don't see every day. I'd forgotten. The toys actually reveal their secret in the first film with Sid. Yeah, there's that yeah. turnaround like, we're watching you all the time or something along those yeah, lines. So yeah, they, yeah, so that was does, never, does it happen at least a once a movie? Even if Sid runs out and goes, the toys, toys are, are alive. alive. And then it's You're sending Sid to therapy, <laughs> but that, no one's going to believe it. Yeah. Does it happen at least once a movie, though, that there's some... Well, well, they do it revelation. to. Um, does Vince? Or maybe Wayne, they just break character. Do they do it to Wayne Knight's character in the second one? Who does Wayne Knight's play? He's the guy who runs the. Is he the collector? He's the antique. Oh, is he guy. the guy collector? Do they do it to yeah. him? Or am I making that up? Or I might be confusing it with Ratatouille when all the rats tie up the health inspector. Maybe that's it. Because um, Vincent doesn't come to life at the end when they open a carriage, does he? He's just in there. He's just there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lost Toys was another throwback to the. Uh, just tidying up some of the throwbacks yeah. and uh, deep cut references. So. From the beginning of Toy Story, Woody's greatest fear was being a lost toy and seeing that there is actually this world. It's like kind of expanding the mythos a little bit of the world of toys again, like not just expanding the physical world, but leaning into that thing that like, yeah, there are lost toys and they band together and roam across the country. Um, 
I think the deepest cut reference, because obviously Pixar, there's a, a load of references in the antique store. Like Easter see, eggs, yeah. Yeah, Easter eggs. So, um, I think the ha- uh, Ed's house from Up. Okay. Uh, there's, there's a heap. There's just go through and frame by frame it. But the deepest cut reference that I could find, when Bo, Pe- when Bo Peep gets taken away, the car driven by the new owner has the license plate RMRF97. Which is plate for which? What that refers to is the story of how Toy Story 2 was nearly entirely lost when the main file was an ac- accidentally deleted from the Pixar service. Oh, Holy shit, this. really? Yeah, someone screwed up royally, deleted the <laughs> entire movie. Um, so the license plate references the computer command, which nearly erased it, the Unix command RM, with RMRF standing for remove all files. Uh, thankfully, a pregnant employee had a backup copy had a backup copy of the film on her home computer, which had to be gently driven to Pixar HQ in order to save the movie. What and, happens to that guy if they never retrieve that film? Ah, uh, they send him to North Korea. And he's in a lot of he's trouble. Quietly, yeah, he never works quietly in this town again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing sales for the Simpsons in Korea somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty cool fun fact. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought that was pretty cool, and good of them to make fun of that. By throwing it in there, oh, in hindsight, well, at the time, sure, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure that a home computer that was saved and was one of those probably those candy coloured. Um, yeah. What the, are they? What are they called on the iMac? Yeah, Apple ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one of those ones that look like Judy Jetson on a three and a half floppy oven or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> on a zip drive. <laughs> favorite quote or favorite run of dialogue from the movie? Oh, you go first. Okay, so I mean, the obvious one is he's not lost, not anymore. A little throwback mm. at the end of the film. Oh, I yeah. liked. Uh, she'll be fine. Bonnie. Hmm. Yeah, the run of trying to inspire Duke Kaboom, I really liked. Like, you know, I don't remember it word for word, but it was like who's the bravest? Like Duke Kaboom. It's like just hearing Keanu basically say it the exact same way three times <laughs> in a row. I wonder if he realizes he's going to be asked to say that in every interview he ever does now. Will. <laughs> it's either that or I think I'm back. So for, for Keanu for the rest of his days, guns, lots of guns. <laughs> um, I think my favorite line. Would have to be. I'm trash. Yeah. <laughs> and my final one, five word summary. So this is a little. You know, our writers are often talking about how Twitter encourages their writing brain. So craft a five word summary of Toy Story Four. What happened to poor Vincent? <laughs> <laughs> Go your own way, Woody. Losing toys and finding voices. Oh. See, when you've had time to think about it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I messaged you about this days ago. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> How dare you be prepared, bitch? <laughs> You're assuming I'm paying attention to you, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. I haven't watched your Jimmy Kimmel clip that you sent through. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I don't know if we want to wrap up, but I did want to ask. Yes, you could probably do a Toy Story 5. What would it entail? Um, okay. Did we so, already talk about this? We did, but we didn't. Didn't uh, uh, I, we? We yeah. No. Um, we so talked what, more about whether you should. What mm. specifically would I like to see in a Toy Story five? Well, it's got to have all the normal team in it because it's the movie poster. If a kid doesn't see Rex and all them on the poster, are mm. they going to go? Are they going to be excited for it? Yes. Listen, I mean, you look at the you look kids at the billboards or the posters for this, and it's yeah. basically. Just, I mean, it's not giving you any any indication of what the movie is about. It's just. Here's Woody, here's Buzz, and here's Bo Peep. But mm. yeah. can you imagine that initial backlash? Because people like to bitch and complain. This new Toy Story is going to have none of the original cast members except for Woody, Bo Peep, and the new gang. Can you imagine the backlash that would get initially? I think it would take some you know, good storytelling muscle flexing to sort of have you know, your original guys 
and not wipe them off the board at the, at the very beginning, but certainly use it as an opportunity to usher in a whole new range of toys. Mm. I think that, you know... Can you base a story around Bo Peep Woody and what? I guess they can go on a new adventure and find new toys and stuff, but I don't know. Mm, strikes me as more of a one-shot kind yeah. of thing. Anyway. But also, what do we think might be next for Pixar as well? Because, I mean, there was, a, there was a run there or a period of years there where, you know, Pixar was just, you know, kicking goal after goal after goal. Over the last decade or so, it does seem like they're very much reliant on existing IPs. You well, say well, that. There's been, been a lot of... Se- I mean, because it always seemed the way, like... There was still... Well, inst- Pixar's just turning out original after original after original. They're never going to sequelize and then... All of a sudden, it does seem like it's but there's all been sequels. A bit well, there's been so Cars Three, Finding Nemo Two, there's Incredibles been this, Two, Monsters Incredibles University, two. but they've also thrown in Coco and Inside Out. Like what they? Oh the, yeah, the original IP that they've come up with, except with the exception of the Good Dinosaur, which is just okay. Um, they've still really nailed some. Oh yeah, absolutely. Things. And, and it, I mean, but the, in, the, in, and in, the next in, two are coming up are both original as well. The trailer for is it Onward? I think there's I, one I called Onward. Yeah, that's, right, uh, okay. that's, um so like a road trip movie with gnomes or something. I don't know. But it's got the voices of Chris Pratt, Tom Holland, and a few others. So. Yeah, okay. But they've also announced one called Soul, just called Soul, um, which is, I think they're being a bit mysterious about it, but some of the log lines are, you know, what is it that makes you, you? Discover the answers to life's most important questions. So it seems, strikes me as in the vein of maybe something like Inside Out. Yeah, okay. Um, it, it, does Inside Out have rewatchability for kids? Like, are kids going to want to rewatch Inside Out again and again and again? I don't think they do. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. That was that really either, targeted for a, an older audience, that film. But I'm wondering how much... How, are a lot of Pixar's rewatchable, do you think? Toy Story, yes. Oh, absolutely, Toy Story. But I mean, even when you think about Up, for instance, I mean... Mm. Up's every, another one of those... Everybody, pod- everybody loves the first 10 minutes of Up. Yes. And, you know, just and forget the so, last 10. <laughs> yeah. I think they forget the next 80 yeah. or whatever. I mean, I, yeah, I know that, you know... Uh, he finds the, the book. The, house the book's on, been completed. Oh, okay. There's that part. That's really nice. But, you know, it's... A, <laughs> Everything you, in between. You, you remember like, yeah. bits and pieces like, a oh, house on balloons. Uh, they go to Niagara Falls or they go to a waterfall. There's that little kid who's a scout, maybe. Certainly not there's Niagara a, Falls. It's, should, should, no, no. It's South America. <laughs> Obviously, Up made shitloads of money. But oh, do you yeah. think Up would have a longer... Or it would be loved more if it was just a short film of just that scene. No, because yeah, less think. people see short films. If that was uh, that's right. I mean, yeah. a lot of people feel very warm towards a lot of those Pixar shorts, like you know, uh, Bow, the one, the one about the, the oh, Bow dumpling, was yeah, yeah, the dumpling, yeah, that was before Incredibles, too. yeah, or yeah. one that I actually, I'm a big I, fan I, of the magical. Um, was it the I forget the name of it? The ugly volcano that falls in love with the hot volcano. Oh my god, that. Is, I, didn't, I, I didn't mind lava. A lot of people dislove. I, I think I thought it was very sweet. Lava. I listen to. The, I actually have that song on a playlist, and <laughs> I listen to it quite frequently. We gonna say the magician's rabbit. I love. Yeah, the magician's rabbit. Whatever that one's actually oh, called, yeah, the rabbit that wants to be fed. There was just oh, a yeah. vinyl just came out for. I should know the name. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> is it Alakazam or something like it, that. Because uh, yeah. something is Am. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm trying to. I don't know if it was before a Pixar one, but there was one called Paper Man. Oh, no, it might have been for Wreck It Ralph. Office Space. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but that's a really, that's a, just a very sweet you know, mm. love story. I actually felt currently. shortchanged that we didn't get a short this time around. There's only been three movies that haven't had a short. Now, I had to uh, walk out before during the closing credits, but apparently the closing credits have a make up for the, anim- the lack of animated uh, short. I wouldn't say make up for. There's okay. just a few little gags. and okay. yeah. Some, yeah. Kind of like a bug's life, how they have a little fake. No, no, uh, they it's not like they a blooper reel. They yeah, just they had some bloopers. But that no. kind of thing where it just cuts in there and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few little bits and pieces. You get yeah, a bit I mean, more the, key and peel. You get is that we get the high five? Go, is that in there? Where Kaboom gets a high five to 
Combat Junior. No, I don't remember. I don't remember that being in the film. That's all. It might be at the very end. I then I'm I might have missed that because I don't remember I'm, I'm seeing pretty, that. I'm, I'm sure it should did happen because they wanted. But yeah, to, it's just just fun little bits of business. They did go back to Bonnie's bedroom and. Um, I think they introduced like a female Forky or something, you know. Bonnie, oh, that's Bonnie, right. Body a, a second Forky okay, or something. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it ended on a real kind of Looney Tunes note. We're like, where did I come from? We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, kids are going to come out of this movie. Like, where did I come from? <laughs> Thanks, Pixar. <laughs> I wasn't ready to have this I don't know either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah so, I, but I look. In closing, closing notes, closing feelings of the movie, I felt like it's a. If the first three were all five stars, it it didn't a hundred percent live up to, to me to how good the first trilogy were. But it's not a long way off either. It's still a very, very good movie. This does not tarnish the Toy Story brand one iota. No, no, I just remember thinking this probably doesn't need to happen, but I'm glad that I'm watching it anyway. Doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a it was a very fun couple hours and. Um, it's still got a few moments that really yeah. get you with the emotional gut punch and keeps you laughing the whole way through. It does yeah. everything a Toy Story movie should do. I think it's gone beyond being like a a, a self enclosed loop that mm. you might have had with the, with the three going back to what I said earlier, and now it's just a vehicle to explore certain ideas and you know and also tell I, certain jokes and have certain adventures. But what uh, it didn't have, and I actually I think I've just hit on the the reason that it didn't elevate it to that same level is that it was just missing the element of surprise. In that every the first first movie obviously nothing we'd ever seen before. The second movie started introducing all these new characters, and the the animation was a little bit better, and it took us to areas we hadn't been. Then the third movie just out of nowhere hit you with this emotional level of depth mm. and payoff, and it was just like just you didn't think that they could take you to a place that they had taken you to. Where, so then by the fourth movie, it's like, well, I'm kind of, I'm ready to, that I'm going to get upset at some point. I'm ready that it's going to be funny. I'm ready that it's going to look beautiful. That They didn't quite have anything it's already as a hit, shock value. It's already hit all its KPIs yeah. along the way. Yeah. And now it's, okay, yeah, we know what you're capable of. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I get where you're coming from. It's your follow-up year to a Brownlow medal. There's that analogy. Yeah. <laughs> I feel the surprise maybe was at the fact that they I almost was expecting... Gabby to be a villain or I almost was expecting Bo Peep to have like a heel turn and actually be bad but but Woody never saw it the whole time for her to be sort of like in cahoots with Gabby and actually one of the toys out there luring toys to the oh, antique okay. store Ooh, that's I, where I thought that's they were dark. going that's where I thought they were going but yeah that's, pretty, that's a pretty good swerve I like yeah. that yeah that would have been an interesting movie it's a different movie but it would have been a fun one yeah but we got what we got and I think we should be yes. quite happy with it Alrighty, anything else to tell the <laughs> listeners before we wrap up? No, uh, we're about to record uh, what is a new little um, uh, style of podcast for the movie guys where we're going to be looking at an actor. Specifically right now, we're going to be looking at Keanu Reeves, talk a little bit about his oeuvre. He's very hot at the moment, isn't he? And a couple forgotten Reeves films along the way Indeed. that we've um, gone back and taken a look at. Hmm, so, yeah, by all, by all means, stick around and listen to that or you know, listen to it at your It'll leisure. be out soon. Yes. Thank you once again for listening, guys. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Dando. Thanks, Mitch. Got a thank you from Guy? Thank you. <laughs> and we'll see you guys for our spotlight on Keanu Reeves. Thanks for listening.